predators out there and they sense the weakness, you know, the sharks are circling and they sense blood and water and they came, and they got me. And so I took my kids down into the world of seeing their mom in, in a really horrific relationship um, and that impacted them. So I had to go up and down. And in between, I would have moments where I, there were certain things that I, I know I like stood up and the lines that you just don't cross, you know, when it came to this line, I was like, I found whatever strength I needed to make sure I was there in that capacity. Welcome to Wise Words and Whiskey. I'm your host, Wiley McGraw. Join me with other great guests as we sip good whiskey and talk about all things high performance. So kick back, pour yourself a nice dram and settle in for some low key conversations on high performance living. Let's jump in. For those of you that are joining us today, meet Barbara Allen. Barbara is a gold star widow and famous for, I would say famous for, uh, exposing the flaws in the military justice system after her late husband was murdered by another soldier while serving in Iraq. She's also a keynote speaker, a multiple best-selling author, and the host of the podcast Flex Your Freedom, which I was actually a guest on. We had a great conversation. Um, but I, I didn't bring Barbara here today to discuss the technicalities or the details of that tragedy that she went through all those years ago. You can find out more about her, her mission, and her passions of what she does now as an advocate for veterans and military families to get them the justice that they deserve from their service for this great country at barballenspeaks.com. That's B-A-R-B-A-L-L-E-N speaks, S-P-E-A-K-S.com. I brought Barbara here today to talk with us about how the murder of her husband, her late husband, while serving his country has impacted her leadership as a mother raising children, despite the chaos and the struggle that she experienced because of that situation. Before we jump into that, Barbara, I want to go ahead and crack open this amazing bottle of red breast 12 year old together. I know that we were both talking about it earlier, looking forward to having a little bit of a pour. Here. Yes, here? here we go. Yes. And for those of you that are hanging out, indeed, make sure you pour yourself a nice dram of whatever you're enjoying. Hope, hopefully it's whiskey um, and kick back and relax because later on in the show, I'm also going to be providing you all details on how you can win a premium bottle of whiskey, a rocks glass set, and an opportunity to be a guest on the show as well. So make sure you stay tuned because I'm going to give that to you later on in this conversation. Other than that, what I want to do first and foremost, Barbara, because I brought it up is take a moment of silence and toast to your late husband for his service to this great nation and his sacrifices. I know it's very important. I want people to do that with us right now. As we say in Gaelic, slaja to your health. Wow. What do you think about that one? Dude, that is good. You like that? <laughs> that is good. Yeah, I thought it was perfect for our conversation. And yeah. I shared with you earlier, and for those that are kind of listening right now, the Red Breast is a very specific, special type of Irish whiskey. It is known for its character and its complexity from the pot distillation process. It has been aged in both sherry casks and bourbon casks to create that like smooth flavor that you're experiencing right now, which I love about it. Triple distilled. It's one of a kind. This is their original mash of both malted and unmalted barley. So that's why you can have that nice, fun, smooth, like complex flavor. What, what kind of flavors are you experiencing, Barbara, with this whiskey specifically? Um, 
I don't know. It's just, it's like, it is super smooth. There's no like hard edge to it, you know? Right. So it feels like, right. it feels like a little like earthy, you know, and kind of like warm. I don't know. It's good. <laughs> I don't know. It it's, I'm just good. tasting, hey, I'm just experiencing what? good flavors, Wiley. <laughs> That's, that's you know what? That's all that matters. And I, I do this and I wanted to talk about it for a moment because for me, what I'm experiencing is like, again, the oakiness, which is that earthiness that you're getting. I'm getting sweet fruits, spices, and some vanilla on the back of the palate. It's quite the experience when you start learning how to appreciate good whiskeys like this, which is why I do this for the show and those that are listening so they can start to learn how to then appreciate whiskeys themselves rather than it just being a drink for us to get drunk off of right so that's the biggest yeah no this is like a good sipper like especially it's cold and dreary here in new york you could see like just drawing this glass out and like sipping it over over like an evening you know it's good absolutely well i feel like it's it's perfect for our conversation and i want to jump into that with you and i think it's important absolutely important to unpack that because you know your story is all across your website. People know who you are as a keynote speaker and as a podcast host. You have the this summit that you run as well. We know that the story on the service level. What mattered to me and why I brought you on was how your late husband's murder by a fellow soldier and being a, an army soldier myself, that breaks my heart, but how that actually affected your leadership as a mother raising your children. What did you discover about yourself in, given that tragedy? So that's where I really want to take it right now. Well, props to you. I might be pouring more than one glass because I have to say, you literally, out of all the things that we could talk about, and there are so many, you picked the rawest one. <laughs> so, and it's important, not in a bad way. Uh, it's important, uh, but there have been especially some things happening the past couple of years that have been extremely difficult, and it's it's literally been the number one thing in my in my life more so. So... Um, I see, I see, yeah. we'll go into it. There's some stuff I have not talked about publicly, so we'll see. Um, but well, that's yeah. the point. I mean, I, I know it's, it's, so, there's yeah. so much value in who you are because of that experience. And when I, when you and I got to know each other and I read more about you, I thought, you know what, there's so many different ways in which your leadership as a mother kept you driving forward, despite the darkness that you experienced at that time. And it's very important for people that are listening that are at younger ages, having children, you are someone I feel that from this experience can really bring out that raw truth, those wise words about what it means to be a parent facing this type of tragedy, this situation that most people don't ever go through. I think there's a lot of leadership lessons here. So please, by all means, share with me what comes up first and foremost. I mean, from from the moment the doorbell rang, um, you know, it was six o'clock in the morning and my kids miraculously were all still asleep. They were six, five, three and one all boys. Um, so literally from the moment your world ends, my very first challenge as a mother, as a, you know, we're, I'm thrown into trauma. I'm now a widow. All this stuff is hitting me, but I had an immediate, I had to make an immediate decision for my kids that day, that moment. Do I wake them up? Do I tell them, do I send them off to, you know, kindergarten and their preschool? Do I keep them home? How do I do this? What do I say? How do I make this? How do I not make it worse for them? How do I do this? Again, six, five, three, and one. So many different levels of comprehension and emotion that they have. And so right. Um, right. How, how do I do this? That was like my first thing. I was like, what do I do? Like, how, I, <laughs> how do I yeah. do this? And so, 
you're placed in a position where it's okay to to think that. It's okay to say, oh my God, I have no fucking idea what I'm doing, but you have to make a decision. You know, you don't have the luxury of sitting there and saying, oh, I'm going to think about this and I'm going to think about right. that. You know, right. you have well, to pick it's a like path. Yeah, you were forced into a situation that that pushed you in one stark direction or the other. I mean, it, uh, here's here's the thing. I hear you say that, and knowing that story, and then we'll get back into what, yeah. what else you have to say is you would have had every right to bury your head and kind of just break down and let it go. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having those experiences. We get too caught up in the idea that when it happens, we have to we have to stop and we have to show up and do all this other these other things for people around us. And you have your children, which is I think anchored you into understanding that the reason this showed up. And this is happening is because I need to make a stark decision. I need to do something about it. The how is the biggest question. And then the why came after. So I think that's another piece of it too. Because you know how complex that moment was for you, which is why we're, we're talking about it. Yeah. To bring out all the elements of your mindset and how yeah. you step towards the performance aspect of being a mother and then broaching those subject, that subject with your children. Um, I would love to say that I... I was a strong leader for my boys when the truth is I was not, you know, I went in and out of strong leadership through the years. I did okay that day. Um, I think, you know, I'm still grappling with shock and family is showing up and, and all of this. And so uh, I sent what I did. My oldest was in kindergarten. I um, went to my friend's house and I got her over and she put him on the bus and I didn't tell him anything. I just said, you know, go on to school. His aunt and uncle had arrived. He's like, what are they doing here? I said, oh, you know, they have to help me get ready for work uh, or do something. But I, I, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to end his world. I didn't. He was my husband's buddy. You know, right. he loved his dad. He was his dad's sidekick. Um, I, I couldn't say it to him yet. I couldn't. I wanted to have him to have a few more minutes, you know. So right. I sent him to kindergarten and I brought my other ones to their preschool while family came in so that I could deal with family, uh, you know, and and then go get them. And so I picked them up later in the day. I picked my six year old up from kindergarten first. And you know, I can still see him walking toward me down the school, with his backpack on and his big blue eyes, you know, looking at me. And I'm mm. like, how do I say this? You're like, how do how do how do I say this? How do I confront you know, this approach? This, this how is do not I like destroy it. my child, you know, and, and make sure that they, from the, all the, they were not going to have anything of their dad ever again. Anyway, so how do I leave them with, a, with love right. in the moment of pain? Like how, like, how do I give, do that for Lou? How do I represent Lou, you know, in that moment for his sons? It was right. hard. Right. <laughs> and I think that's why I'm asking the question to unpack that because yeah. it's that moment of, well, I need to tell my children what happened. I need to be a leader for them as a mother. But if when I do it, I know the consequence that's going to happen. And yet it's still the decision about what happened and you're seeing your children and knowing what they were going to go through kept you in the, the, the position to do it anyway, despite the fact of how painful that was going to be. There's Besides the fact that being a mother it should be enough to drive you, there was something else inside you that really recognized that this is not, you know, daddy's not coming home because he, you know, he died in service of his country or he died in a car wreck. There was a, something else beyond that. Like, that is a heinous situation. We didn't How know do you... it that day. We did not yeah. know. That day we okay. were told he was killed in his sleep. 
So Got it. that's Got it. what they told us. He was killed in a mortar attack in his sleep and already bells were going off. I'm like, no, he wasn't. That's that's not what happened. Um, wow. I, I knew that wasn't what happened because yeah, he had supposed to, been, yeah. to call me back and it was easy for him to call me from that base. And it was an important call about medical tests I was having. So I knew he was and I had he had tried to call and I missed it, which is another topic. Um, but wow. um I knew there was no way he was going to go to bed without calling me back. So whatever had happened, I knew it wasn't that. Like immediately, okay. I was like, ah, that's, not, that's not what happened. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, so that's the thing is yeah. not only did your intuition tell you that's not what happened because you understand what routine is, first of all, with her as me being overseas and being a combat vet myself, I understand right. that intimately well. You have specific routines with your family. Also, it was just the shock that it happened. Coupled with then seeing what is what am I going to do now with my kids? Again, can continue on that because there's so yeah. many different variables in here of what made you stay engaged despite going through the roller coaster of dark and then light and then getting yeah. in and out of that space of feeling completely, I would say, helpless or almost like in shock and broken at a moment where how am I going to be the best mother? How am I going to take care of them and, and, and raise them in this this unbelievable situation that's happened, especially yeah. when then you have to travel and go deal with all of the court martial proceedings that, that followed, et cetera. So continue, please. Yeah. And so at that moment in my life, I was not a confident person. I gained all of my confidence from my husband. He was, it was important to kind of lay that groundwork. He, he was my core. He was like, I, my well being rotated on my husband. I had no confidence when I met him. I didn't, I had, you know, had some rough times and he is the first person that believed in me, that loved me, that showed me. So I developed all of my self-worth, all of my faith. That, and we'd been through some very difficult times together. And right. he always led through those times. He was the leader of our family and I relied on him to, to do that. And I didn't have any idea how to be a leader. Mm. <laughs> So, and I had all, here's one of the key lessons too. I had already told myself and I had told him that if something happened to him, I would not be okay. I told him I had no interest in, this is, this is, this is who I was. I was, yeah, I was that person. I, I said, to, and I had said to myself, if he dies, I want to die too. I want no part of life without him. I'll never be able to raise these kids alone. This, these are the things. So I didn't meet, I didn't open up that door from a place of strength, I opened that door and I had already programmed myself to believe that I couldn't do it. I had already, so I, like my default was, that's it, it's over. I, I can't do this, right. you know, please kill me. I wanted to die. And so if I, if I had instead faced some hard truths beforehand that maybe something could happen to my husband, if I had had more self-confidence before, if I knew some leadership, before, if I had faith in myself and developed some more strength, I would have met that from a bigger place of strength. And that would have started us off on a better foot, you know? So I would, I would say so. And I understand yeah. that, that that's a good point. I want to highlight right now and just land it for people that are listening to it, uh, considering the trials and tribulations they might be going through right now. Um, Part of the philosophy that I that I, I embody when it comes to the work I do with powerful leaders as well is getting them to recognize that um, sometimes you don't have a choice in what the world brings to you to force you through your limitations, to make you face truths, um, to be able to step up when the time actually matters. There are people that, like you said, I avoided that, right? You said, I avoided it at all costs. I didn't want to be that. He was my rock. He was everything to me. Um, and this this question is probably going to be 
because it's coming up for me, another hit as well, but I think it's very crucial is, do you feel at some degree, despite what it what happened or what it looked like, that this was faded so that you could finally break free and step into your leadership and power, despite how crazy and how heinous it was, not to say that, that you know it was purposely done so you could become a leader, but do you feel that there's some part of that that forced you into this position so you could step into your power and your own strength, leading children, dealing with the death of your, your husband, and becoming this now leader that you're out in the world fighting for other people and what you do. Do you feel that was a big part of it? You know, that is something nobody's ever asked me, and that is a good question, too. Um, I'll, I'll go back. I, I have a very strong faith. I stepped away from the Catholic Church for my own reasons, but I have a and as soon as I did, my faith bloomed. You know? um, right, but that's right. a whole other story. That is a whole other story. Oh, you call it recovering Catholic, right? I mean, that's <laughs> <I'm> recovering <laughs> Catholic. But I have a very yeah. strong faith, and so and yeah. I, when I was twenty, I met my husband in July, um, right before my twenty, right, right before my twenty-second birthday. So I was twenty-one years old. It was July. I'm sitting at college, and I had been through the ringer, up and down, all this other stuff. And I believed I was old and ugly and faded to be alone for the rest of my life. You know, nobody, the guys never paid attention to me. My sisters were all prettier. Everybody, like I was just going to be alone. And I sat outside on this dock, and I looked up at the sky, and I, and I just had this moment of silence. You know, within myself, I went within, and I'm thinking maybe I've been asking for the wrong thing. Like I've been praying for somebody to spend my entire life with. I've been praying for, I, and I don't know where I got this from. I don't know where it came from, but something in me said, you know, you're not asking for the right thing. Um, and so, you know, and you know, what do I really want? What do I really want to know? I'm like, well, what I would love more than anything in life is to at least for a moment, know what it's like to be loved. I would like to know what it is like to love and to be loved back. So so I'm, praying, I'm talking to God. I'm like, so even if that's not something I get to keep, would you please let me experience it just for, just let me know what it's like, even if I don't get to keep it, even if it's someone who's going to die young. And I literally said those words out loud. And three weeks later, I was home and I met my husband. <laughs> so you make of that yes. what you want. And we like the moment we met, the night we met, it was, it was on. you know it was fireworks like, right it you was uh, it. that night 10 months later we were engaged um you know and you so know. we just well, like, that's why i asked that question yeah. that's why i asked that question because what i felt when you were sharing that was there's there's something inside there and i want everybody listening to, to pay attention to that those are really good wise words to give people is how how much are you connected to and committed to having the desires you want manifest is it are you willing to to sacrifice certain things to experience it, even though for a short time, like you said yourself, is even if I, it goes away from me, I want to know what that feeling is like, that energy is like, that experience is like, that is more important to me than just kind of this average, long-term, almost meaningless existence, if you will. Yeah. People always talk about things they want, but they try to control having it, everything, their cake and eat it too, kind of that mentality. Yes. I want it all this way. Sometimes there are things like power and love and having a balanced piece of life that are worth more than mediocrity and being willing to sacrifice even things that you feel you deserve or need to get to that place. Uh, it's like, are you truly connected 
to it, aligned with it. Those are, those are words that I like to talk about is aligned. Can you, do you have real alignment? You did. And look what happened, which is why the question came out of, do you think part of this was faded because you literally had that in your alignment to happen for you? And do you, and you know, you value it obviously now, despite how painful it must have been. Yeah, I'm yeah. brutal. So yes, I do believe, you know, and again, I used to think that our paths were slated together on that. It took me a long time to understand that we each have our own path, our own walk that we are meant to walk. And it is a matter of who are we meant to walk that with for however, how long. So I had no control, no say in how long my husband would get to live on this earth and clearly you know none of us do we know none of us really get to control that in the grand scheme of things um, but for whatever reason i think there was some force that did say you know it's going to take somebody we got to find the right person to love this man for only a little while and it ha- and and vice versa somebody somebody needs to take this heap of a mess of a, of a girl and show her how to love you know right. like she needs, and so if this is what's going to set her up for life, great. And if this is what is going to, you know, be that role for this person, then great. Like we each had a need and a role to fill in each other's lives. I just didn't understand sure. what that role was. I, I thought it was something that, yeah, right. Going back to your parenting, these four boys and you get yeah. to consider, right? Especially over the last decade and a half. And you and I had a brief moment of uh, discussion about this before, the, the current toxicity in what, how men are supposed to be raised, you know, how, how society views the masculine and feminine energy and, and how we, we, we parent nowadays is definitely added pressure for parents that are raising young children. You have that coupled in with the tragedy you went through. I, that's an important aspect because right now people are trying to figure out the line they need to walk to be a good parent. And they don't understand because there's so many different perspectives being thrown at them and being forced upon them, which is why this situation, going back to what you said, is I was basically put in a position where I had to step up and become the woman I was meant to become despite it. And I had to lead the right way for my children, even though I didn't know how to be a leader. That's a big deal. Yeah. So, um, yeah, over the, I would say over the first 10 years, I went in and out of being a strong leader for my kids. You know, it took everything, everything to put food on the table, to get them to school, to move, to do this, to do that. Like, and then we had the court martial three and a half years and I had trauma, you know, pain with one side of the family. Um, and I mean, all these extra things and I got into abusive relationships and because you're, you're very easy prey, right? You're very, so there's predators out there and they sense the weakness, you know, the sharks are circling and they sense blood and water and they came, they got me. And so I took my kids down into the world of seeing their mom in in a really horrific relationship um, and that impacted them. So I had to go up and down and in between, I would have moments where I, there were certain things that I, I know I like stood up and the lines that you just don't cross, you know, when it came to this line, I was like, I found whatever strength I needed to make sure I was there in that capacity. Um, it, one of my sons, he's now 22. And it was like a year ago, he was sitting in, in my kitchen and we were having some conversation or something had come up and he just like, and so they've all been through their own roller coasters and they've had to learn how to really grow into themselves in spite of what has happened. Right. Uh, but he looked at me, yeah. he's like, you know, mom, he's like, you never had a fucking chance, did you? <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, buddy. I mean, thank you for saying, it was like, he was just realizing, he's like, 
you know, they're adults. And he's like, wow, what, how the hell did you, how did you do this? <laughs> you're an inspiration so, though. And I'm just going to interrupt you for a moment yeah. because you're an inspiration. Here's the thing. Here's why. Despite the roller coasters, despite the tragedy, despite the ups and downs, the energy you carried, the stress you, you had unresolved because of the situation causing different dynamics to occur in your life, you yet still had something that pulled you through it. And what's, what's important to highlight here for you, for everybody that's hanging out and listening, is the fact that this puts you on a path where you are an advocate, a very, very strong, staunch advocate to give people the ability to never have to go through what you went through so they can be taken care of by especially in the military that's one of the biggest things that, that uh, like for me even getting out of the military i i realized when i went to college they didn't have veterans resource centers for for veterans coming home and it pissed me off and i was like enough's enough you have to open your mouth you've got to start pushing and fighting and battling and the only way that we change anything is through confrontation it is through healthy confrontation facing things and making people show up a certain way and you I want to honor that because despite all of that chaos, you still, something, a beacon kept you pulled through so you can be the person you are today. And you're talking about, I was never this before, could fool me right now. It could fool people constantly that are looking at you and what you're doing. Despite what you're feeling inside, on the outside, you're driven and you have a purpose. And all of that puts you in this position so that you can care for others in the way that you never got cared for. So I want to make sure that I highlighted that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, thank You're you. Welcome. Yeah. And so I've, I've had to do a lot of really deep reflecting and looking back and, and all of that. And I've had to show myself some grace for the years, you know, all those things you had to do. I think one of the biggest takeaways that I have so far, one of, one of the things that held me up the most and held me back the most was I continually placed my well-being and my predictions of my family's well-being and our outcome on things that I had no control over. Right. So when you say, I'll be okay if my husband comes home, I'll be okay if all four of my boys grow up to be strong, healthy men. Um, I'll be okay if, uh, you know, I get that job. I'll be yeah. okay if I get to, yeah. and then you don't have any control over what is going to happen. Right. So if you say, if you condition yourself, I will only be okay if X happens and then there Y happens. What you have really done is told yourself that you are not going to be prepared to face um, any major catastrophe in your life. You have told yourself it's what people get whipped up over these elections, over this, over that. And I hear you, it's worthwhile. It's noteworthy. But to tell yourself that we will only be okay if this person wins off it, if this person, bullshit, you know, that's like you're setting yourself up to, to fail, right? So that is my biggest takeaway. I have learned it just to never place my own well-being, never count on this outcome happening. You know, don't, don't plan on tomorrow happening the way you think or the next of this day, you know, don't plan on this person showing up on time. Like be ready for them to be late, like for the little things to the big things. Right. And that was, I think that's one of the most important things that I learned. It is. And I, I love that you brought that up. You're right. It's I'm only going to be when, if, or how. Right. Human beings are very adept at that. It's very, it's easy to say success as well. I will be successful. I will be happy. I will be able to, when this and that what that does is that you're right is not train you and prepare you for when fears arise when chaos ensues when you're dealing with challenges that you've never experienced before that preparation comes from there are things you can control you can control your alignment your mindset your attitude and what it is that you actually need to deal with and face within yourself 
so that whatever situation you manifest or create or experience, because we're all kind of living in this crazy hodgepodge of, of energy together as people and human beings with all our different perspectives and personalities and experiences, you know exactly how to manage the external volatility because you've managed the internal volatility. You've been willing to ground yourself in understanding when I'm experiencing chaos, there's a reason why I'm experiencing it and I'm prepared for it because I have not tied myself to what I expect or what I think might or should happen that's outside of my control. It's a big piece right now, especially in leadership. Leaders are failing right now. They're talking about it constantly, how like, well, we're only gonna be great, especially brought up politics, when X or who shows up this way, instead of actually getting to real solutions and having real world conversations and discourse that is full of couth and decorum, we're just in this battle of when, if, how, should, why not, those kinds of things. And for you as a mother, who's gone through some of the most unbelievable experiences in your life, there's something special about what drove you to, to recognize, I can't give up, I can't surrender, I've got to keep driving forward. Because most people in these situations, Barbara, would, would crumble under that pressure. They'd crumble under slighter pressure than that. I mean, you've gone through something that most people will never experience. Can you talk a little bit more about what your mindset was all about when it came to staying at least in some direction when it came to being a mother for your children and what you were meant to do in this world right now? Um, I, I definitely did crumble um, for a long time. And I did think, you know, I would try to piece myself back together. I was constantly overwhelmed, you know, to have the four kids on my own was a lot. And so, um, you know, just managing day-to-day life. And then I got to a point where, you know, so I'd given trust to somebody and they wiped me off financially. And so I almost lost my house. I had to get a nine to five job. I had been, you know, I wrote books, I got my master's, I'm staying in nonprofits, I'm doing things, but I wasn't generating an income. And so I had to go back to a nine to five job, which I'm very blessed that somebody helped me, my um, friend helped me land. It was as a veteran services officer, Um, but it was in the cemetery where my husband was buried, was the office. And so that was brutal. You know, Taps was playing, all this stuff, right? So now I'm leaving my four boys home alone um, at a really critical time in their lives. I had got rid of the bad relationships. I was getting healthy. I was getting strong. I was doing mindset work. I was coming alive, but some of my kids were sinking and I didn't notice it because I was working. I work, I mean, you know, I'm up at five and take care of kids. I'm getting to school. I'm going to the office. I'm going to grocery shopping on lunch. I'm coming home. I'm cooking. I'm freaking out if they want to ride somewhere 30 minutes away. Now I got to drive, you know? Um, and so I, I was doing everything I could, but while I was focused on putting my self back together and trying to like recover and show them the way you know they were struggling with some things that I I didn't know they were right in front of me and I didn't see you know so I would encourage parents to be just a little I don't know I I think asking for help I didn't ask for help and I should have I should have asked I should have been more insistent like if I could have had somebody come over and just help me whatever around the house an hour a day pick up one kid take another but I did make it a point to spend time alone with each of my kids. I would have special okay. days. I called, you know, special days we called them. They would stay home with me and we would go do something for the whole day just together. Between their eighth and ninth birthday, I did what I call an eight year old escapade. And this is one of their favorite memories and one of mine too. At some random day between their eighth and ninth birthday, I would wake them up at the crack of dawn and take them on a surprise 
trip. It had to happen within 24 hours. So it always involved flight and adventure and all this. So we got on once on a plane up to Canada to Niagara Falls and back in one day, you know, for a little kid, that's a big deal. A helicopter ride over Manhattan, a hot air balloon ride, a biplane ride, a limo, you know, something that I went all out on, spent way too much money on, but I had this one day with just me and my son to make him feel like a rock star and build these memories yeah. and talk and connect. So that's one of those things that they carry with them. They will never forget that. They still talk about that. And so I made sure mm -hmm. to do moments. I made sure to capture moments with them, you know, to never, to look yeah, for those moments and grab onto them. So Right. That so those moments are important. You're right. Absolutely. Those moments are important. I, I want to dig a little deeper with you on something that just came up for me. Again, you talk about intuition. I'm feeling it is there. What did you notice, though, when you were in these valleys, not the peaks, the valleys of going through this? Because and I'm, I'm going to preface this this way. You ended up here because you stayed engaged with a certain part of yourself. That was alive, whether you recognize it or not, maybe you do. That's why I want to ask is what was it about you that you noticed? Did you ever recognize that kept you despite what was going on, the pain and suffering and the roller coaster you were on that kept you completely connected to and committed to driving yourself and your children in a direction where you can have those experiences and can look back on it and go, those are the times that we cherish. They're the reason why we got to where we are now. Obviously, you might still be dealing with some conversations still, but what part of you do you find that was very important that kept you, I would say, above water that people are listening to right now that want to hear if they might be going through a death in their family that's left them alone or they might be dealing with the struggles as young parents, dealing with simple things like maybe their children throwing temper tantrums, et cetera, around the house. They don't know how to deal with that stress. What was it about you, despite it, when you were in those valleys that kept you there's something special that kept you alive, that kept you driving forward. Do you know what that I think, was? I think initially it was just the profound love I have for my kids um, and knowing, you know, there okay. was a moment in the beginning where I believed they would be better off without me. And I literally sat there in my mm -hmm. room, pouring those pills in my hand. I had that moment. My kids were playing outside right. in the other right. room. I heard them. I'm staring at these pills. I'm crying. I'm believing they would be better off with somebody else as a parent because I'm just not a good enough mom. And I felt like I, was, I would be in their way if I stayed here. That's what I really believed. And I was in so much pain. I just wanted to go. I was like, I'm, I'm, never, going to, I'm never going to end this pain. This pain will never end. I don't want to live like that. And because I'm going to be in so much pain and my life is ruined, the kids need somebody who's not ruined. You know, I had never did I factor in that. I wouldn't be okay, you know, so I sat there, you know, for a minute just staring at them and it's literally, I, the best I can describe it, it's like somebody else took my hand and put the pills back and put them away and That's, I got up. Thank you. Um, yeah. And What made you not do that? That's a big deal. You, you could have just done it and that's, I again, It was like, I don't know. I, I just, every time I hit the biggest crossroads, the biggest, even in the worst moment, if I take a few minutes and take a few deep breaths and... <sighs> think and just channel it inward and say, you know, what, what is this? And what could this look like in an hour from now or two hours from now? And, and I pray and I always, every single time, even, and there have been some excruciating times in the past couple of years. I mean, um, and okay. even in those times when I'm sobbing and I'm crying, I'm praying. And I know that ultimately 
this is going to teach me something. I know it's going to make me sharper. I know it's going to make me more grateful. I know I just can't see it in the moment, right? Mm. I know that I know it's right over there. And right now I have to feel the pain. It's part of the process. And, and it just sucks. And I just feel the pain for however long it's going to be felt. Yes. I know I can't, yeah. but I know it's going to teach me something. But then for the smaller moments, you know, you get a flat or your car is wrecked yeah. or your sewer's backing up or there's dead animals in the house, whatever happens. I always stop and think, I'm like, I picture myself telling the story to somebody. I'm like, how long is it going to be before I can tell somebody what's happening right now and we laugh about it? You know, is right. that going to be an hour from now? Is it going to be six months from now? At some point, this is going to be a funny story I tell people. And I'm going to use it in a talk or I'm going to use it in a party and I'm going to make people laugh or they're going to learn. What is that time span? And sometimes it's like immediately. So this is just an, and you realize the absurdity of the situation and you just let you're like, what am I getting all worked up for? This is actually hilarious. Right. Uh, um, and then love it. So you know what I, I want to. Let's land that for people yeah. that are listening to us talk, because you said something very, very stark and very powerful, very important for when it comes to high performance in life. And I, when I say high performance, I don't mean someone who's running a billion dollar company who's got a lot of money and all the, the great. I'm talking about that type of attitude and mindset. A big part of it, why I asked that question, and I'm so glad you went there, is because you gave yourself that moment to take a step back in it, whether it was something pulling you back in, into this moment of taking a breath, being present with why you're going through the pain you're going through, seeing the value in the darkness, that is a big piece of people's lack in transformation in their lives and experiencing what they say they want is because they don't stop to consider the value in the most chaotic, stressful moments that they're experiencing. They want to push it away from them. They want to take the pills. They want to drink the whiskey all the way down to the very bottom. They want to escape. Our society has built industries around this. What you're saying to people, please, if you're listening, is when you're going through the darkest moments in your life, take that extra breath as Barbara did. Consider what value it might be actually trying to teach you because of who you are or what you have not faced or dealt with in your life or what you're meant to be doing. And find that that is the path towards that next evolution so you can experience a little bit more joy and a little less stress, a little bit more happiness, a little less uh, destruction or dysfunction, a little more success, less, you know, of that, um, you know, lack of thereof. I think it's important you said that. I'm lo I love that you said that. People do not value the dark times as much as they do the good times. They like the good times. And if the good times are all out of whack, they actually react to the good times that aren't going as well as they want them to be, like they're going through a dark time. So this is this massive dysfunction that we've got going on, and you just hit it on the head. You valued every single time you're going through a dark moment. Why am I being pulled to take a breath, to look at it from a different perspective? If you want change in your life, follow Barbara's lead. That's a big part of it. And I know your children followed your lead with that too. Yeah. They've, um, they've come out as some pretty cool people. <laughs> I can say, I would say, <laughs> yeah, I bet they have. You've told, you know, I've chatted on that as well, where, where they're living, what they're doing. It's all because you set the precedent and the example that rather than swallowing a bottle of pills at your darkest hour, something intuitively inside you, something pulled you what, regardless of people's beliefs, so take a step back and, and take a breath. That extra breath 
saved your life. That extra breath saved your children. It pushed you in a direction, which is what built the strengths that you actually possessed all along that you did not know you have to do what you're doing right now. A lot of mad respect for when you're committed to out in the world that you didn't realize you were meant to be doing. And if you would have swallowed the pills or drank the bottle or done gone the other route, you would not be saving the lives of other people, giving them permission to do the same thing. And that's another piece that is important to understand too, is sometimes you get put through the most gruesome experiences because you have a bigger purpose out in the world. And if you allow that to happen, despite the pain you're in, you'll experience the fact that your mission is greater than yourself. And I think that's what you're doing out today, especially well. Yeah. That's the, that's the hope, right? That's all we can hope for. Well, hope is a very powerful thing. That's why we, it we see it all. It's yes. told to us constantly. Yeah. You are more than hope though. You are far beyond that. You're doing the very thing that you didn't even recognize you were meant to be doing. It just, I know that it sucked. You had to go through what you went through to get here. But clearly the question earlier is, do you think part of it was faded? Because now look who you are and what you do for other people. Um, the world needed you in a certain way. They needed you to not be weak and frail and, and feel like you were worthless. They needed the strong Barbara out front leading the charge, connecting with people, standing on stages, running a podcast, writing books to showcase truth where people want to avoid it. That's a big deal. Yeah. I've learned, I've had a lot of really great mentors too, um, people that I've learned from and studied. And I think that's another, when I had my rock, like, you know, well below rock bottom moment, um, you know, yeah. in my driveway, on my, literally on my knees sobbing, it had just one more thing had happened and I hit the point. I'm like, there's no coming back that either, either this is the end or I get up like this. It's decision. Like there's no, I have two roads in front of me. One is just go into the darkness and one is do some hard looks at myself, acknowledge some hard truths, get my ass up. I can, either way is going to hurt, but I'm going to choose. Right. The purpose. I'm going to choose right. the purpose of right. the hurt, right? I'm, right. I'm right. going to choose my pain's purpose for a change instead of letting this pain choose its per have its way with me. Right. right? So, um, I was talking, yeah, I love you said, I was talking yeah. to a, a former SEAL buddy of mine the other day and he, and he shared, he goes, you know, you can either quit or you can keep going, but both are going to hurt. And yeah. he said, it's like, <laughs> if you hear us say that, listen to that again, you can quit or you can keep going. Both are going to hurt. Right. And it's purposely choosing the type of hurt that actually makes sense for your growth and what your mission or purpose is in the world, rather than succumbing to the hurt from life's experiences that really were meant to challenge you and stretch you. Uh, it, it's beautiful that you, you said that because you went through something that most people never go through. And I'm, and we're getting close to our time. I can't believe how fast this goes. Yeah, yeah. But if you heard Barbara say that your life, the hard times you're going through are probably nowhere near the experiences Barbara went through. However, take and heed her advice, heed the wise words that she brought up with us about the idea that you can either quit and succumb to that hard time or you can keep going and feel the temporary pain of it that makes you stronger, better, faster, more fierce than what it is that you say you want to do in the world. So, uh, Jocko Willink is another Navy SEAL. I know you probably know, you know who he is since I think you know like Marcus Luttrell and David Goggins and all them. They they talk about, uh, Jocko says, uh, you know, if it sucks, I like it. You know, we move towards things that suck. We move towards things that hurt. We move towards things that are very challenging and scare us because those are going to make me better. And I have no control over how challenging those moments might be for me. All I have is my reaction to them. And if I allow myself permission to take that step back, like Barbara, like you did, my dear, it's like, look what you're able to create. 
despite the fact that you went through an unforgivable, unbelievable experience. Again, to me, it is it's it's it, it speaks volumes of who you were really meant to be in this world, and I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, I love that you asked me on. Thank you. <laughs> is there? I just want to know if any other thoughts coming up for you around what we talked about when it comes to, you know, this this unbelievable. Uh, death that you went through, how to how to lead your children and get to where you are today. Do you have any other thoughts that you might be percolating right now before we kind of start wrapping yeah, this up? Yeah, I would say parenting in even the best of times is hard, you know, right. and especially right. now. So I would say to parents now in particular, you know, I was raising my kids in the advent of the internet and the apps and the social media mm -hmm. and this, mm -hmm. and before this whole woke crap was the thing, right? Um, now we know it, it's out in the open. We see it now. So I would say to parents, um, I love seeing them step up. I love seeing parents take more of a stronger role in their kids lives and well-being and all that. I would say, carry on with that, regardless of whatever hurt and pain you are, you're personally going through now, find the help. If you need to take a few deep breaths, but don't lose sight of your kids. Um, and hold them, hold them. If you need to pull them out and put yeah. them in a homeschool or a private school, find, find the way, find, there will be nothing more important that you can do in your life right now than to take a beat and find the solution to make sure you're fully aware of what your kids are being exposed to. Um, and, and really I would say faith is so important Whatever that faith is, it doesn't have to be in a God. If you if you're you know not sure. of that ilk, um, have faith in something. Have faith in beauty. Absolutely. Have faith in the goodness of humankind. Have faith in good hearts. Yeah. Believe that people are good. Believe it's going to get better. And have faith in something and give yourself a foundation to stand on. And you, I would say, have, have faith. Have faith in the good and the bad. Yeah. See the yeah. The, the dark and the light. You know, we avoid the darkness yeah. because it's scary to us. It's unknown. And you said, I had no idea what I'm meant to be doing. I just realized that there's a reason this is showing up to parents that are out there listening. Even right now, people that are young, having children in this crazy climate that we've got going on. It's about finding balance, having conversations, confronting yeah. rather than avoiding or ignoring uh, and, and getting getting your, your kids in the space of if you're you got a three year old who's throwing a temper tantrum, always consider, well, you know what? I've got a, I've got my own reaction to the situation. Why is my kid screaming? My job as a parent is to be a leader in right. my life. I'm, with, I'm embracing the pain that I might be going through so that I can, in fact, give them the right environment to become the best version of themselves rather than trying to dictate or control the variables that are outside that ends up hindering or limiting my children. So I appreciate you sharing those last thoughts. Barbara, it's been, I mean, I, I, I wish we could go for another hour. Honestly, I wanted to... <laughs> continue to unpack even more. I hope we can uh, have another conversation on it again, but um, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to spend with me to, to hear the question that I asked to share with people these wise words about uh, what drove your leadership as a, a single mother given what you went through. Um, if you're still with us, hang out in this conversation like I shared earlier, I'm doing a premium whiskey giveaway once a month for the next year and a rocks glass set and a chance for you to be on the show. The details in that uh, that link you can click on, jump into the giveaway right away will be provided in the description below. Please make sure you do that. Also, don't forget to like and subscribe to the show on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere that you listen to it as well. Um, I want to give one last salancha to Barbara. Thank you so much, my dear, for being here. Thank you for everyone hanging out with us. 
cheers to you all. And I look forward to our next conversation. Until then, appreciate it. Thanks, Wiley. For those listening today, thanks for hanging out with us. If you're digging what you're hearing, don't forget to give that subscribe button a tap and make sure you rate and review the show. Catch you all in the next conversation. Cheers.